Hi, this is James Rousseau, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of The Coralink Solution, where we look to empower you through awareness and actionable insights. On this episode, I am pleased to be joined by Steve Millia. Steve is a successful network marketer, comedian, and author. We discuss Steve's latest book, 30 Ways in 30 Days, an easy read that I highly recommend. We talk about Steve's why for doing the book, the genesis, if you will, the big picture, and then we dive deep into several areas that will give you some practical insights you can use right after you listen to the podcast. You know, personal development is a choice, and consistency to the right set of actions matter. If you're interested in improving yourself in any areas of your life, this will be a great takeaway episode for you. So as always, sit back and buckle up as we're about to link up with Steve Millian. All right, well, I'm here with another edition of the CoreLink Solution. I have with me the man, the myth, the legend, the big blue himself, Mr. 162, Steve Millia. Welcome to the show, sir. James, it's great to uh, be working with you again. Great to see you, and I uh, can't wait to dive in. Good to see you. You got the uh, the nice uh, surround goatee and everything, looking good. Uh, we're, we're on Skype, folks. I wasn't able to catch Steve in Jamaica so uh, we're on Skype. He's in Minnesota and I'm down here and uh, I don't even know what to call it now. I, I was going to say frosty Wilmington, Delaware. It's uh, the weather's all over the place, but good to see you, man. Yeah, good to see you. Good to see you. Sorry, I missed you in Jamaica. Oh, that's all right. That's OK. So why don't we start with something fun? Tell folks something that because I'm sure people think because you're so transparent. I'm sure people think they know everything about you, though. Try to come up with something that people don't know about Steve Millia. Is there anything that you think you can share that would catch folks off guard? I'm really shy. I mean, I, people may or may not believe Come that, on. but I really, I'm very introverted. I, I, I don't like to go to parties where I don't know people or business events or networking events. So, you know, I've been doing the same thing around the same group of people for very long. So I, I probably feel a lot more comfortable and I do stand up comedy, right. which a lot of people think, boy, you must, you know, those kind of people may, must love getting in front of rooms. Not really. I read a book about Johnny Carson once too, and he was super introverted as well. Not necessarily comparing myself to Carson. Uh, that would be great. But yeah, you know, I just, I sort of do what I have to do because that's how I make money and stuff like that. But right. I, I'm a very private person and I'd much rather be, you know, cuddled up with a good book somewhere. You got me on that one. Okay. I wouldn't have known that. I would not have known that. Is this your third or fourth book? So this is my third book and really my first sort of just a personal development book. Uh, my first two books were baseball related of right. things that I did. And, you know, I tried to draw a lot of life lessons in there, but it still was such a limited audience of maybe who would even pick it up to read it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and I sort of like that. You know, I, I would hear from wives all the time. Oh, my husband hasn't read a book since we met. And this is the first one. He couldn't put it down. So that I sort of love with my 162 books. Um, but this is sort of something from teenagers on up. I think it's something very value driven. That's cool. So before we get into the book, because I like to, you know, when you think about books, you like to understand some of the things that got the folks to the book, right? So I'd love to just step back a second. And when you think about, you know, I've had the good fortune of spending some time with you in different places over the last four years. Um, I think about <laughs> once we were, I think we were in California and I think I had, I had gotten there. You were probably there a day before me. I remember pulling into the parking lot, come up the elevator with my luggage. You were walking across the bridge, 
doing your morning walk and we caught up later in the day. And I remember even us hanging out in the cafe. And um, as we go through some of the chapters, there's some, some memories jumped out to me. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. But one of the things I've known about you is you are an avid learner and you spend time talking about some of the people you've learned from. And I think that's a good place to start. When you think about your fondest memory of a mentor or some of the folks that have helped you along your journey, maybe just spend a moment on, you know, who is your fondest mentor and why? Yeah, that's a great question, James. Thank you for that. Probably my brother, Mike, is my biggest mentor in many ways. I, I probably learn as much stuff not to do from him <laughs> so close to me and he's my best friend, but he's really the person that um, I would say changed my life and got mm. me to be hungrier, um, when, I, when we first started uh, working together, I was just out of college, and my brother's 18 and a half years older than me. I'm the youngest of seven. My brother Mike's the, uh, the oldest. And he, you know, my, my parents used to sort of uh, make fun of him, like he's never found his way, and when's he ever going to, you know, get a real job? And, and so when we started together, I was like 23, and he was 42. And I remember sitting in his loft in, in Manhattan, in Tribeca, Manhattan, and he had a very, you know, like a small personal development company, probably had in that, that particular night about, about 15 people in his living room on folding chairs, and he had them meditating and closing their eyes, and very uncomfortable for me, you know, right. I'm right out of college looking around going, I can't wait to get out of here. And it was really that day, that night that he started talking about goals, and it really just started, it set me on a path. You know, it set me on the path to to know that more than anything that I could believe in myself and that I could accomplish more, that there wasn't such a limited scope of what was available in the world to go out and conquer and accomplish. And so um, definitely, and he's been, we've been on a journey together. We've been business partners for, it'll be 25 years now. So wow. I'd say it's my older brother. So a little bit yeah. of Mike. Gotcha. It's so funny when you started laughing for a second, you sounded like him. You had a second, you sounded like Mike. So now as we kind of go into the book, 30 Ways in 30 Days, man, I, I started reading it. You got it to me. I think I got it last Thursday. Uh, so almost, almost a week, not quite. And it's a, first of all, it's a great read. If you haven't picked it up yet, uh, folks who are listening, it's called 30 Ways in 30 Days to a Better Life. Um, by Mr. Steve Milia, and you could pick it up and we'll give you all that information. It'll be posted in the show notes. You'll get a link and everything to make it easy for you to get as you're listening. But let me tell you this, first and foremost, I'm going to promote it and put my stamp on it because one, I've seen him live it first and foremost, right? So it's so good when you can uh, speak to something you've seen a person live. As I read through the pages, I can go, yep, seen him do that. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Seen him do that. Uh, so it's so cool. So, Steve, talk about the impetus for writing this book. Like, what was the thing? Because I've seen you talk about these things from stage. I've seen you personally coach people. You and I have been in places talking about these things or been in the cafe and coaching people on these things. What was the impetus to sit down and, and I know what it takes to write a book. What was the impetus to sit down and say, yeah, I'm going to commit to the process of writing this book, particularly knowing you're getting ready to go back on the road and do another Yankee tour? Sure, sure. Well, you know, I did. I um, About seven years ago, I wrote my first book. It was called 162, The Almost Epic Journey of a Yankee Superfan. And, you know, it, it was really it had a beginning, a middle and an end. And it had four or five different storylines that went through it. So in some ways it was very easy because it was almost like, okay, here's what happened. Go tell the story. And, you know, I looked at all the different questions that people had. I ran into people on a nightly basis going to games and, you know, they fed me the questions. How do you get the tickets? And do the Yankees know what you're doing and why are you doing it? And, and all that stuff. So I felt like even though it was still a lot of work, 
that it was almost like it wasn't much of a challenge is, is just starting a, a plate, you know, a palette from nothing and, and coming up with a new piece of art, if you will. And so I went to a seminar last November and in that they had a panelist of people talking about social media and I'm probably like normal people. I'm on Facebook. I've got a lot of friends, but I've never really used it very effectively to grow my business. And they said, Hey, if you get on Facebook, we challenge you to get on Facebook every day for say a month, you know, for some ex- extended period of time. And myself and my friend Chip Humphrey challenged each other and every day we would get on Facebook to talk about something. And I didn't want to just be lost out there. So the first night before I did it, I basically outlined what the first 30 days would look like and what I would talk about. And at first it was really simple. I just started going to my go-tos of what I would teach or train at a workshop, you know, Mm -hmm. how to get your day started, the law of associations, goal setting, all stuff that I knew enough about to, you know, to share with others and whatnot. And that's just how it started. And after about three or four or five days, going on Facebook and I started getting a lot of great feedback, I realized, you know what, I think I've got my next book Hmm. here. And it just came to me 30 ways and 30 days to a better life. And that's really what started it, you know, but I think the whole book though is exercise driven. You know, if if you're just looking for another book for enjoyment, you might get that out of it. But the reality is that if you do the exercises, I think these exercises have led me to where I am today. And I've uh, coach and train other people to do it, that if you do these simple things every day, you can transform what you're looking at every night. Got it. And, and that process, like you went through with the Facebook exercise, how long was that? Was that a month? Yeah. So it was great. So I like literally did it in 30 days. And with okay. about five days left, I called up a guy who I had never worked with before, but I knew he was a book editor, Brian Mast. And I told him my idea and I wanted to, him to collaborate with me. He said, I mean, it sounds like you've already got everything down. It just needs a light edit job. Send me the first few chapters when you put it together. And every day from that point forward, I literally, the next day after I went live, I got up and I wrote for about two hours and wow. I did one chapter the next day, two hours. And, and I find like when I'm, when I have a project I'm working on, I get laser focused, probably right. like most people. And, and literally probably within 90 days of even having the idea, you know, I was negotiating with the printers and everything else like that to go to print. So it was a pretty pretty fast process. Gotcha. You know, the society we're in now, people want things, magic, presto, give me a couple. Hey, hey Steve, give me, give me two or three and, you know, that'll probably work right. Or let me bounce around. How would you respond to that in terms of the, the need to go through the full process? What would you say? What's the, for lack of better terms, I don't want to call it a pitch, but let's call it a pitch. What's the pitch to say, no, you need to go through the 30 ways in 30 days for this to have the optimal impact or the desired impact as you see it? Yeah, well, you know, it's taken, James, for, for most people, it's taken so many years to to mess up their life to where they are today <laughs> that it takes a long time to get back, right. you know? And really what I wanted to do from the first chapter on is to help people reprogram their minds of how they think, how they talk to themselves, right. what their self-talk is and, you know, stuff you and I are are very familiar with. But if I could get, you know, I believe Earl, Earl Nightingale said that we become what we think about most of the time. Mm-hmm. And that's really what this book is about. It's about getting somebody from the, the first day to get their day started right the next day, and then sort of add to all these 30 that we're bringing forward. Got it. Got it. So that's a good good one to start with. You know, when we talk about, uh, you know, get your day started right. If we could dive into a couple of these, and, and if they're ones you prefer to dive into, I know I've got a couple I'd love to talk about if it's okay. But I'd love to start with that one, if you would. Get your day started right. And you have, I think, three or four habits on that one, right? Um, get your day started right. W- would you mind walking through a couple of those habits? No, I'd love to. And, you know, the first, first what I share with people is like, 
doing the good habits is nothing if you don't get rid of the bad habits. Like right. you got to get rid of the bad habits. And for most people, uh, being addicted to their phone, I think, is the biggest challenge that a lot of people have first thing in the morning and then throughout their day. You know, I've been traveling around going to all these games this year. And everywhere you go, whether it's crossing the street or where you just see people glued to their phone, and I think it's really limiting people and it's it's just not good. And so the first thing I recommend you do is when you get up in the morning, keep your phone out of reach so it's not the first thing that you reach for. Most people go to their phone, they look at their text, their email, their Facebook, their Snapchat, their Instagram, and 15 minutes later, their day is done because emotionally they're not in the vibe of attracting you know, what you want when you right. look at movies like The Secret and stuff, you know, what do they talk about focus and visualization and law of attraction. And that's really what this is all about, just, you know, sort of broken down. So the first thing is I challenge people for 30 days to leave their phone out of reach, to not check your Facebook, to not check your email until you do four things. Okay. And I recommend that people get a brand new journal or a notebook and right at the top of that notebook in the right hand corner, put the date and maybe even write a little motivational quote at the top. Like if it's to be, it's up to me or anything. I know for me personally, when I do this exercise in the morning, I have a picture of my daughter on the left side. And so in the beginning of the notebook, so every day I can sort of connect with my why. And then the first exercise on the first sheet of paper is to write down 10 or 15 goals. And they could be health, relationship, finance, career, but just 10 or 15 things that you want. And some people have done goal setting before. For those that haven't, just think about what you have in your life and what you don't have and what you'd like to have more of, what you'd like to accomplish, where you'd like to travel, your financial picture. What does it look like? What do you want it to be? And really, if just this one thing, like the other three things are important too, but this is the most important thing. If you can get right. somebody to write down 10 or 15 goals every day, it's just going to provide so much clarity. If somebody does that, and at first it'll be a little bit more difficult. Some people have a hard time getting past three or four, but all of a sudden day four, day five, day six, they're not even thinking about it. They're right. Here's what kind of car I want. Here's right. where I want to live. Here's the kind of money I want to make. And then so as soon as somebody does that, they turn over the, the paper. And the next thing are really what you're grateful for. Just writing down three to five things that you're happy that are in your life, whether it be the weather or, you know, where you live or the friends or the people mostly. Uh, and then just do that. So that's a real simple exercise. Again, these are simple things that everybody can do so far. Nothing complicated. The third thing is writing down your wins, W-I-N-S. You know, what did you accomplish since yesterday? Since, so maybe one of your goals is to weigh 185 pounds with ripped abs and huge, well-defined muscles. Well, what did you do since yesterday to help that goal? If you didn't do anything, then don't write anything. But if you exercised, right. if you made some good food choices, write that down. And really what you're doing is you're reinforcing what you did the day before. But just as importantly, you're holding yourself accountable, which is probably a challenge that most of us as entrepreneurs have. Mm -hmm. right? And, and, you know, and a lot of us work out of the house these days, probably a good percentage of people. So the, I think getting your day started is even more important uh, because you don't have a boss or a structured environment to go to every day. So the third thing is to write down at least three to five things that you accomplished since yesterday. And then the fourth, you know, not everybody is comfortable doing the fourth. I am certainly, but it's called your affirmations. And those are reading over your affirmations. And, you know, I am divinely guided in all that I do. You know, I'm a great recruiter. I'm a top income earner. Money flows easily and passively into my life. And I read a great book on affirmations and actually had somebody on my podcast about a year and a half ago, a young lady. She was great. She was in her early 20s, but she had written probably the best book I'd ever read on affirmations. It was called Hashtag Actually I Can. Mm. And, you know, a lot of times when people read affirmations, they feel very fake, like I'm a magnet for money. And, and they know they're not, you know, they can't even pay their car note. And so what she teaches in there 
is to soften it up a little bit so you feel very positive when you say these things like, you know, I attract money into my life. I'm learning every day more about money management. And so, you know, you're not lying to yourself, but you're cer certainly telling yourself the truth in advance, but you're doing it in a way where you don't feel like, you know, lying to yourself, right. basically. And so spend some time doing that. That's the one of the four that takes a little bit of time, but you can Google how to write an affirmation and then just, I, I type it out and actually read that one. The other ones I write, the first three that I write, the affirmations I don't write, I just read them to myself. And, you know, I stand up if I can go outside and I just sort of profess them to the world. And I tell you, James, after doing those four things right there, those four habits uh, and not starting your day with your phone and everything else, those four habits alone, if you spend 20 or 30 minutes a day doing that, right. I promise you the, the, the viewers will see uh, tremendous results. Absolutely. Stopping the habit of your phone is in and of itself powerful and a challenge, right? I mean, I know a lot of folks are going, wait a minute, what do you mean don't don't pick my phone up, right? I mean, it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. right? I probably stopped that, I don't know, maybe a little more than a year ago. It was hard, right, to not pick up the phone and feel like I had to check a bunch of things. And every now and then I can drift back into it, right, wanting to pick up the phone or pick up the phone. But I will say my best days are when I have the first two or three hours without the phone, right? I, I try to get up about 4 o'clock, 4.30, and I do my, my devos. Right. Uh, I do uh, some breakfast, go down to the gym and get my workout in, come back up, read 10 pages, 12, 15 pages of a good book. Then I do my thoughts, send out the thought of the day, which I sent out. I've been doing the thought of the day for, gosh, 18 years now, send the thought of the day out. And then I am ready to receive information from the world. That's how I kind of think about it. So until I get through my routine, I'm not ready to take in any information from anyone else. Right. When I break that, my day is not the same. Right. And that's how I kind of think about it. And so everything you're saying, again, it's unbelievably impactful in terms of the habits that you talk about in terms of getting your day started right. So another one that jumped out to me, I think this is the chapter you said it was hard for you to write. Wasn't your favorite chapter necessarily, but I love the title of it. Save the drama for your mama. <laughs> chapter 15, day, day 15. And one of the subsections of it, seven diseases of attitude. How did this chapter come to be? Is this something that was developed over time or just from observations or where did this one come from? So I'll give full credit to Jim Rohn. I believe that when I first came up with these disease of attitude that I copied it straight from Jim Rohn. I think I was at a seminar when I was 23 or 24. And so I give him total props. He's been a really a mentor from afar for, for many years. But after I learned that, I just really started looking at those things like worry, doubt, complaining, indecision. And really, those are the qualities or the habits of somebody that's not successful. And I said, okay, how can we eliminate these things from our life and be more positive and get better results? And so, you know, a good friend of mine, he's passed on, he was an attorney, and he used to say, save the drama for your mama. So I sort of got that from him. And it really just says a lot, you know, people are either focused on what's working, and they're sort of complaining, or they're focused on getting, you know, having solutions and getting better results. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the seven diseases I've got in my hand, one, indifference, two, indecision, three, doubt, four, worry, five, overcautious, six, pessimism, and seven, complaining. I love this. And again, as I'm saying this to folks, it's such an easy read. Each chapter is about four or five pages. So you really get to go through it uh, on a day by day basis. If you want to do it that way in 30 days, it's really good. Uh, in terms of a layout. Good job, Steve. And then the next one for me was chapter 22, Know the Game You're In. 
And this one for me was really instructional because to your point, I'm a huge Malcolm Gladwell fan, right? And when he talks about, I think it was uh, Outliers or one of the books before that, when he talks about the 10,000 hours rule, right, of, of spending that amount of time. And so if you work a full-time job, theoretically, the rule is you'll work 2,080 hours a year, right? Depending on how much vacation or not you take, right? Uh, or if you work overtime or not. So five years roughly in any particular skill, right, to get to mastery, so to speak, right? 10,000 hours needed. But nowadays in a competitive landscape, you know, getting underneath the covers and really knowing the art you're in or the skill you're in is everything. And Steve does a great job of going through some of the points in this, in this chapter called Know the Game You're In. So talk a little bit about that, Steve. Yeah, well, first of all, things are changing so fast that it's almost difficult to keep up with this because as soon as you've learned something, it's obsolete sometimes, you know, two, three, four years later with technology and everything else. But James, you know, we met, I've been in the network marketing and direct sales industry for quite some time. And I sort of think it's one of the very few business models or systems where you can almost cheat this rule Mm. because, you know, let's say that I would introduce you to the business and I I was going to work with you and sponsor you. But based on your experience, you've got 10,000 hours in the personal achievement and personal development field, you know, and more. And, you, you know, and so you've already got this swagger and this confidence because you've already done it. So if I could personally recruit you, I've already got like 10,000 hours under my belt because you've put it in the 10,000 hours. But, you know, but let's put that model to the side. You know, the thing that I ask and I really helped me break down for me why I do what I do. And and it says, know the game you're in. It's really about studying your field or your profession. I think it was Brian Tracy that said that if you just for 15 to 30 minutes a day reading and listening to audio tapes, if you just did those two things, that in the next five years, you'll be in the top five to 10% of your field, you know, financially and otherwise, you'll be a leader in your field. And so there's so many times, especially with the way the world is now, people jump around, they jump around, not just with jobs, but careers. And every time they start a new career, they're really learning something new. You know, they they see their neighbors done well in real estate and they're 40 and they're like, oh, I'm going to get into real estate. And two or three years in there, you know, like, hey, real estate wasn't any user than what I was doing over here. And so I just strongly recommend is people pick one field or one industry and they stick with it and they master it and, and they get great at it. But first, really ask yourself, is this the industry that I want to be in? And in the book, we go through just a little exercise of somebody going through like doing a Ben Franklin and writing down all the positives and all the negatives of their industry and why they're in their industry and asking themselves if they had to do it all over again, would they still be doing what they're doing? Got it. No, that's great. So the other thing you talked about, Steve, though, too, is these you gave them titles too, though, I guess, or, or phases, you might call them as a part of uh, knowing the game, too. Right. In terms of. Well, one, you talked about the point of being coachable, right, and how important that is. And uh, as a part of the learning process, I know we've adopted a phrase sometimes, right, we're lifetime learners. Maybe spend a few minutes of that. So I think one point in the book, you mentioned you've been in network marketing almost 25 years. Correct. Okay. Correct. So as a person in network marketing almost 25 years, I know you're heading into a conference this weekend, right? At the conference, what do you plan to accomplish? What do you hope to accomplish? After 25 years in network marketing, you're leading a big team. You guys are doing very well economically and whatnot. What do you plan to accomplish at the conference? Well, full disclosure is I'm not going to be in Nashville this weekend. I'm doing doing the baseball. (laughs) Okay, that's right. Okay. Although people say to me all the time, I was at a lunch yesterday in Minnesota and they're like, see you in Nashville. And it's like, I don't have the heart to tell people I'm not going to be there. Gotcha. I, you know, they should be there and, and you certainly want to lead by example. But, you know, building for events and attending those kind of events 
I always say, James, I'm a sucker for a big event. Right. You know, I get fired up. I'm coming out of there. You know, if I were attending and I know my partners will be, you know, first of all, we want to be on the front row. You know, we know as, as leaders that people are always watching us. And I really believe that when you get to the point of whatever your career is, you know, like I watch a lot of these baseball players because I'm looking at them every day. And Aaron Judge is a new up and coming leader, but, you know, his age doesn't really depict what kind of a leader he is mm. at all. I mean, he's somebody that, you know, little things like when all the other players run off the field after an inning, he always waits at the top of the dugout till everybody else is in. And then he goes, it's almost just like he's subtly saying, I got your back. And so, you know, just going back to the seminar example of when you go to events like this, there's people that don't do this and we call them hall hangers. Hmm. You know, they're, they're always in the hallway, you know, you're going to the bathroom or you're getting some food, right. you see them, you come back, you see them. And, and I think that some people just get to a point where maybe it's a lack of confidence where they, they believe that they've gone as far as they can go, but they disguise it as like, I already got this. I know this already. Mm. And some people do it at the beginning of their career, thus not giving them much success at all. Mm. You know? And I just feel like the people that I've had the most uh, respect for realize that things are changing and we can always learn more. And there's so much information out there that whether it's reading a book or listening to an audio tape, I love learning and growing and finding out new things. It's just uh, what makes life go around. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you talk about, you know, these these other roles, too, in terms of, you know, the modes, I guess you call them of to mastery, learning knowledge, activity knowledge, modeling knowledge and teaching knowledge. And I found that uh, to be so interesting because I believe I floated through all of those without necessarily thinking about it consciously. Right. But mm -hmm. uh, very good points. So let me ask you this as we kind of wrap up a little bit and folks, you know, a lot of times when people are thinking about their path to learning, people, again, like to think about shortcuts and I don't want to necessarily give anyone a shortcut because I'm going to be an advocate to tell folks to get this and, and take it all in. But as we give people some nuggets to chew on, if you were forced to, and I know you would never want to do this, right? But <laughs> if you were forced to give people, you know, three days to focus on initially from the book, right? What would be mm -hmm. the three days you would tell them to start with? They say, Steve, listen, man, I can only start with three days. I can only commit to three days. What will be the three ways and three days out of the book you would tell them to start with? <laughs> That's a tough one. Well, I definitely have to go with the first one because I think the first one's the most important about getting your day started right and everything. And, and in that one, I sort of incorporate a lot of like goal setting and being grateful. So right. getting your day started has to be at the top of the list. And then number two would be chapter two, the law of association. You become like the five people and you know, sometimes we say that what I did in the book is I literally break it down with probably about 40 questions of to, let's look at your top five. Or let's look at the people in your life. Right. What are their exercise habits? Do they smoke? Do they drink excessively? You know, and I, and I go all through these different things and the chances are if they do, you do. You know, if they don't, you don't. And so I think that's an important one as well. And then I would say just the third one is realizing that success takes time. Right. And, you know, whether it's, it looks like 10,000 hours or less is that most people don't give themselves a fair shot, no matter what industry they're in, you know, they're jumping around a lot. I would definitely say that those are three definitely go-tos. Got it. And then one more, I would say, you know, maybe I'll even replace the third one. And I actually quoted something out of Jack Canfield's book, which is one of my, my favorite books, Success Principles. There's a, a chapter in there that I just literally gave him credit for it, cut and splice it and put it in the book. And it talks about paying the price and being willing to pay the price. It's, you know, it's one thing to pay the price begrudgingly, you know, mm -hmm. you're showing up every day, but you're like, this isn't working. And I've been here so long. I see it in my industry. People have been around for 10 years and 
they're complaining, right. you know, I should be further along. Well, you know, if you should be further along, then you, then you got to look in the mirror. Why aren't you, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not, it's not something on the outside. It's you. Right. It's internally on yourself. And so I think being willingly re- ready to pay the price because it's so worth it at the end. That's good. That's good. So, you know, now you've three time author, second tour, 162, entrepreneur and comedian. Now you get a chance to look back and you have grandkids too, right? No, no, no grandkids no, no. yet. No, my brother, Mike. Your brother, that's right. Mike, Mike has grandkids. Okay, you don't have any grandkids yet. But nevertheless, you've got all this wisdom. So now you look back and look at your 20-year-old self, right? What advice do you give your 20-year-old self if you could? If you could go back and, and talk to that Steve, what would you tell him? You got 60 seconds. What do you tell 20-year-old Steve if you could? Man, that's, that is such a, it's funny because I do a similar kind of question. I did it with 18, you know, when I do my podcast, that's a great question to end on. And it's funny, as much as I've always asked that question to others, I don't know that I've ever really answered it for myself. So I'll, I'll give it my best, probably to stay true to what it is that I want to do. I, I think I was very blessed that I never really would give a job or a career more than six months if I didn't feel mm-hmm. like it was for me. And I really did. I did a couple of things right out of college, but it was a struggle as an entrepreneur it was certainly a struggle from the first five to eight years out of the gate. And I think I would just tell myself to stay true to what you really want. You can have it all, you know, don't compromise the things that are really important to you, like your freedom and your values and, and just stay true to yourself. That's probably my advice. That's awesome. Awesome advice. So last final question, uh, you know, this show again is or podcast is about, uh, you know, personal leadership development. And it really, it's about empowering people, right? And really, I like to use the slogan, be informed, be empowered, be accountable. So be empowered, awareness and actionable insight, focused on the topics, personal leadership development, entrepreneurship. And I like to really think about demystifying entrepreneurship because a lot of times people think about it and they go, Shark Tank only. So it's got to be some crazy new product or technological thing that's going to blow up the world or I don't have anything as an entrepreneur, uh, as well as social justice with an emphasis on education. So with those things is kind of the the big planks, if you will. Who else comes to mind that you know that you think we should know, maybe have on the podcast? Anybody pop out to you? Well, that's a great question. Before you even ask that, a gentleman came to mind. His name is Brandon Steiner, S-T-E-I-N-E-R. And he heads up a company that does about 50 million a year called Steiner Collectibles. And really, they're a company that does memorabilia and autographs. And they started with the New York Yankees. Yes. And he's grown the business. Yeah. I know. Um, I, well, I was on his show about, uh, about really? two years ago. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. He, we actually had him on our podcast and he was very gracious to us. He took us to his facility. And, you know, he's a Yankees fan. He's a, that's what he is. And he sort of grew a business as a result of that. So you're, you're certainly in great company. That's a great idea. Yeah, having Brandon on. And one of the most amazing things he did, sort of like his recent claim to fame, is he bought the Yankee Stadium that was going to be demolished. Really? He bought it from the city, and, and he sold it for parts. Oh, I mean, wow. everything from the dirt. He sold like like $40 million worth of dirt in the last few years wow. from not only Yankee Stadium, but all over. And he's just a, a really a wonderful entrepreneur. And he's one of the many people, I was going to you know say few people, but many people that really walk his talk. And I'll just tell you one quick story and uh, we'll wrap it up. But he, uh, uh, my girlfriend, I Mary Beth, went to his studio and, you know, I'm a Yankees fan fanatic. And, and there were two Yankees that were signing autographs in one of his rooms. He has this room set up just for people to sign. And one of his assistants, Brandon's assistants, had given us a facility tour after our podcast with him. And so we're on our way out and Brandon comes over and he's like, hey, did you get to meet? Uh, you know, he's like a, a little Italian guy. Hey, did you get to meet? Uh, 
you know, uh, Miggy and uh, Sanchez. And we said, no, nah, they were busy. And he said, come on, what is this about? You know, so he brings us down and he literally accompanies us down the elevator and into the room and he, he gets them to stop signing. Mm-hmm. He goes, these are my friends. You know, these two, are, these two are going to every game this year and uh, they get, you know, stood up and took pictures. But, you know, and, and that's really that's what great. he does in his business. Yeah, is that's he creates great. experiences. And he had the opportunity to, and he could have just as easily said, we'll get him next time. Right. But he created that experience for us. So he, my shout out to Brandon. He's up in New York, right? Yeah, it's just okay. outside of New York City. Yeah, That's a great, cool. great recommendation. Okay, good, good. I'll follow up on that one. Thank you so much for taking the time, Steve. It's good to be with you. All the time. Thanks for your friendship, your leadership, and uh, just a real blessing to know you. Thank you. Thank you for linking up with me for another episode of The Core Link Solution. You are informed, empowered, and can now be accountable. What were some of your takeaways from this episode? I always enjoy hearing from you, so please share. Additionally, if you have questions, hear some things that are new to you, or need some clarity on some of those things, I am here to serve. Go to our website at thecorelingsolution.com slash podcast. Right below the show notes, you'll see a comment section. Tell me about some of your takeaways from the episode. You can ask your questions. You can mention challenges in the areas that we cover or tell me about guests you'd love to hear from. Alternatively, you can do the same through social media channels of Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. Thank you as always for linking up and I look forward to seeing you next episode.